thought-provoking discussions, insightful information, a captivating conversation, with the knowledge and experience to confront the issues that matter to you. This is North to South with MLA's Peter Millibar and Todd Stone. Here's your host, Bob Price. Hello again, it's Bob Price, and this is our fifth edition of North to South featuring Kamloops MLAs, Peter Millibar and Todd Stone. Welcome all, and so glad you can join us as we uh, keep you up to date as to the happenings uh, of uh, these two gentlemen in both the home ridings and also in Victoria. And guys, getting right into it, the legislature back in session, a lot of things are missing, including a jobs plan post-pandemic and how we're going to get things back on track. Peter, what have you observed? Well, it is uh, quite concerning that uh, the plan to move forward seems to be uh, an endless stream of of surveys. And so we have a $1.5 billion economic stimulus uh, pool of money that is meant for small business to try to get their feet under them. Instead of a plan to expend that money, we're having a survey uh, for the next six to eight weeks. And on top of that, uh, no actual uh, survey questions or real plan even within that survey around trying to get to the root of a jobs plan moving forward. So I think we all know that these are unprecedented times, but what every economy around the world is going to need to effectively move forward is, is a laser focus on how to re-engage the workforce, how to re-engage innovation uh, in our in our economy to make sure that uh, we're hitting on all cylinders and we have a, an actual roadmap moving forward. Uh, to this point, the government has uh, been totally lacking on that and, um, and we're not sure when and if they're even going to come up with a plan. And remember pre-COVID, they had no jobs plan either. They actually cut our trade offices in Asia and in other areas. So uh, their plan pre-COVID was was not to have something resembling a jobs plan. Uh, it's even more critical now that we get them to develop that and soon. You know, I shudder to think where we might be, where some of our employers might be, if uh, not for the federal uh, government's uh, situation and the leadership that has at least come from Ottawa, because right now there doesn't seem to be a whole lot stemming out of Victoria. Todd, to you, uh, part of your role uh, in uh, the Liberal Caucus is, of course, as the housing critic, and right now on your file, you've got a big one. This whole situation surrounding uh, soaring strata insurance costs and what can be done about it? You've uh, thrown some ideas out. We don't seem to be hearing a lot from government. Well, uh, look, th- this is a problem which uh, is not something that just snuck up on the government. It didn't just uh, appear uh, last last Friday uh, as an issue. It's been it's been plaguing Strata owners uh, for uh, the better part of the last nine months. Uh, you know, we began to to raise this issue uh, last fall. Uh, we then introduced a private members bill in February of this year, where we uh, suggested a number of actions that the government could take to address soaring strata insurance costs. Uh, the government did nothing. Now, very recently, the government did table in the legislature uh, a, a strata bill uh, to to um, to take some initial steps, as they as they call it. But guess what? Not only was it long overdue. Uh, but there was absolutely nothing in this bill that provides any financial relief whatsoever for the thousands of strata owners across the province who have faced a huge increase, uh, increased uh, monthly fees, monthly strata fees, uh, and or uh, one-time special assessments uh, to pay for these uh, higher insurance costs. So 
Um, very disappointing there. Uh, there was no mention whatsoever in the NDP's plan for uh, the creation of an, uh, uh, something that we suggested, which uh, uh, we're calling a water damage prevention program. Uh, the single greatest um, cause of, of claims within strata units uh, involves water. And so there's, there's a whole bunch of, of maintenance that can and should be done uh, to prevent these damage claims from happening in the first place. Uh, we think a, a, a program that, uh, that, that would enable people to offset some of those costs would, uh, w would be a good idea. The NDP didn't do it. And last but not least on the strata file, um, on the theme of surveys and consultations, uh, um, you know, uh, very cold comfort for strata owners uh, to hear as part of the NDP's announcement that they're going to go out and, and have a consultation about these proposed changes before they implement them. Uh, look, we know what the problem is. People need help. Uh, let's take some action. Uh, John Horgan's got to get on with it. Todd, sticking with housing, you know, governing is not easy. And perception is, of course, not always uh, reality. And uh, so when we're talking uh, housing and estimates and priorities, Boy, there is a disconnect there. Look, I'm, I, I can't wait to actually get back into the estimates process with uh, Housing Minister Selena Robinson because uh, she now has a three-year track record that is dismal. First off, on housing affordability, the price of housing in, in the Lower Mainland, as, as one example, has actually increased by 8% since the NDP uh, came to power three years ago. Uh, renters are paying a heck of a lot more. On average, uh, renters in the Lower Mainland are paying $172 uh, a month more now uh, than they were when the NDP were elected uh, three three years ago. And of course, we just talked about strata costs, uh, you know, 200, 300, I, I've heard is the highest $400 per month increases in monthly strata fees, uh, in including uh, one-time assessments of thousands of dollars more. So life is not getting any more affordable, certainly not in the housing file, uh, which was one of the hallmark promises of, uh, of the NDP government. Uh, we're going to be canvassing residential tenancy, which uh, there, there continues to be a, a moratorium on the eviction of renters uh, on the residential side. Uh, for non-payment of rent, that's causing some very significant financial issues for landlords, the vast majority of whom are, are mom and pop landlords, not the big uh, you know, Cadillac Fairview uh, uh, mm. landlords that you might read about in the newspapers. We're going to be talking a, a lot about um, uh, the, the failure of the NDP's supportive housing program. Um, they have not built nearly what they, uh, they say they've built. Uh, they've delivered about 3,000 units on their 114,000 uh, target that they put out in the last election campaign. And, and I've got a lot of questions about infrastructure. One of the ways that we could rebuild this economy and do so a bit faster is to push, uh, you know, get these projects out the door, get shovels in the ground. And for some reason, BC is one of the worst performing provinces in the country when you look at, uh, at, at how quick uh, other jurisdictions have been able to deploy uh, federal infrastructure dollars married with provincial infrastructure dollars on stuff that's not necessarily sexy, but water and sewer and roads and, and other critical pieces of infrastructure, that not only is it needed, it employs a heck of a lot of people. I, Selena Robinson is responsible for the, the failure uh, to, uh, to push those dollars out the door uh, as quickly as possible. So I uh, can't wait to get in there and ask those questions, Bob, and, and hold her to account uh, for what is a terrible track record as, as the uh, Municipal Affairs Housing and Infrastructure Minister for now three years. 
Peter, uh, you, of course, uh, one of the hats that you wear in Victoria, you uh, being the opposition environment critic. Let's talk about that Clean Energy Amendment Act uh, that uh, has come uh, to discussion of late. Well, it's an interesting piece of legislation. Uh, I just got introduced and it's uh, it's essentially saying that we will no longer buy power into our grid that uh, is not clean power. Um, yet at the same time, there's an acknowledgement that you can't tell how the electron was actually created. And so um, it, it's a lot of paper shuffling, frankly, um, to try to pretend that the power we're bringing in is clean and green, uh, when in fact our BC Hydro is just that. Our BC Hydro is clean and it's green and it's easy to verify. And the troubling part about this bill is there's a piece in it that says that BC will no longer, BC Hydro will no longer have to be self-sufficient for energy for British Columbia which means you can walk away from doing a lot of capital projects, you can walk away um, from controlling your own power source essentially and rely on outside jurisdictions uh, with power created with either coal or, or natural gas or you name how you want it. It won't be BC Hydro, it won't be hydro related because we're one of the few jurisdictions in this area that does it that way. Uh, we're already about 95, 96% green to begin with. Uh, and the troubling part about the self-sufficiency piece is it's putting a, a great amount of stress now on a lot of First Nations projects that had got into the energy business and started uh, creating run of river projects and other green energy projects to get their communities off of diesel, uh, get themselves on a more stable uh, power grid, and also use it as an economic uh, generator for their remote communities where there is not a lot of opportunity to begin with because of the geography of where they're located. And the, the government, in, in a day and age where they're pushing a, a new relationship with area First Nations, are essentially telling them, we are going to bankrupt your power company and walk away from contracts. It, it absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. So much to talk about and many issues still ahead of us, of course, and we will follow them right here, north to south. It is the podcast featuring Todd Stone and Peter Millivar. Thank you for watching and we will see you soon.